we're at the end of our uh, sermon series on the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, if you're a guest or a visitor with us or you haven't been here for the whole time, uh, you can listen to the other talks. They're on our website. You'll see that's uh, listed uh, at the bottom of our, of our service sheet there. You can go back and have a listen to them. Uh, the Sermon on the Mount is uh, a phenomenal uh, part of the Bible. It's, as I said before, it's the longest section of Jesus' teaching that you get in the whole of the Bible, uh, the continuous, uh, from chapter 5 through to the end of chapter 7, is Jesus working through that sermon as he speaks uh, to his followers who are close and then to the crowd that are about listening as well. And it's one of the most well-known passages as well in the Bible. There's lots of little phrases as you go through it. You think, ah, oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, I've read that before. Or someone's quoted me that to me at some point in stage. And sometimes I think we've got a little bit too comfortable with it. Uh, we've got a little bit too comfortable with what Jesus says. And so that's what we've been trying to do in this series is to take us out of our comfort zone. Uh, because what Jesus teaches in the Sermon on the Mount is radical back then and radical now. Uh, it challenges us to live radical lives in the world that God has placed us. So I'd encourage you to go back, read back through it, have a think through the whole of the Sermon on the Mount, take sections and just give yourself time to think it through and pray to God and ask Him to reveal what He's saying to you through it and to challenge you where you're at with it. And so we're coming to the very end. Uh, last week we were particularly challenged about not having a judgmental spirit. How'd you go with that this week? Not having that sense when you meet somebody or you're speaking about someone that you're going into thinking about what they're not doing but thinking about encouraging them and building them up and seeing that they become followers of Jesus. We were challenged with that, weren't we? Not having a judgmental spirit. We were challenged about praying all the time and we were challenged about that golden rule that's in the Bible, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. How did you go with that this week? When you thought of others, did you think, what can I go and do to them, to encourage them, to uplift them, that I would love them to do to me? Or did you sit back and think, man, my neighbour, they haven't been over to me lately, they haven't come and seen me, or, you know, the person I'm working with, they're not looking after me. It's a change, isn't it? It's a radical change in thinking. Do to others what you would have them do to you. You've got to be proactive in that. Well, this week we come to the very last part of it. Jesus is coming into the pointy end of his sermon and it gets very, very challenging today. Uh, this uh, last week, Karina uh, and I and Hannah went up and we decided to buy some sand shoes. Have you ever tried to buy sand shoes these days? Mate, there are thousands of sand shoes out there, aren't they? They've got all the colours, all the sizes, all the different shapes. When I was growing up, all you needed was Dunlop Volleys or KT26s. That was about it, wasn't it? Or you might, when you got a little bit older, I got a pair of white Reeboks. They were pretty flash. But you only had one choice of Reebok. There wasn't a whole lot. You could only have one. But now there's hundreds of them. There's shoes everywhere. And you have to look at them all and think through them and work it out. Choices everywhere, aren't there? What about those milk ads? You love those milk ads, don't you? You walk in, I'll have this, 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 this. Choices everywhere, they're all over the place to the point that sometimes I think we're a bit like that one. Too many options, isn't there? You just go, you head, you think, 
There are so many choices. What choice can I make? What's it like if you've been shopping with that person who has to read every label of every choice and it's, you just stand at the end of the aisle, don't you? Waiting, waiting, waiting. Too many choices. Just pick one. That's all we need. Now, there are some good things about choices, isn't there? But there's also... Why is it doing that to me? There we go. Uh, sometimes it's easier when we've just got one choice, isn't it? Well, Jesus takes us into this part of his sermon and he does say that there are choices. And he brings four scenarios our way and he says you've got four choices and at the end of those there's always consequences for those choices. He says you've got two ways, you can go this way or this way and either one has a consequence. Choice. That's what we're going to be thinking about this morning. And we're going to look at each of those little sections at, at a time. Deb's going to read them for us and uh, because there's little sections she's going to do it from her chair. Uh, we'll read each little bit and then we'll come and look at that and we'll do each bit and then we'll bring it together at the end because ultimately Jesus says there is one choice that determines all those choices. So let's have a look at that together. Uh, the first one there, if you've got your Bibles, open up to Matthew chapter 7 and uh, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through to 29 and uh, Deb's going to read the first few verses for us. Thanks, Deb. Chapter 7, verses 13 to, 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. It's a well-known saying as well, the wide gate and the narrow gate. And Jesus is saying to us that we have a choice. We have a choice to go the wide gate or we have a choice to go the narrow gate. Uh, when we enter through those gates, there's either a wide road or a narrow road, he says to us. Uh, and it's a challenge, isn't it? He says, you've got two choices here, guys. You either can pick one or the other. There's not multitudes of choices here. There's only two choices, wide gate or narrow gate. There's no middle gate. There's no gate that says, depending on context, which gate will I take? Or depending on how I'm feeling today, which gate do I take? There's only two gates, he says, the wide or the narrow. And first he says the, the wide gate. It's wide, it's open, and when you go through, it's even wider. He says you can come through this gate, you don't need to get rid of anything, you can just go straight through it, and when you go through it, it's broad, it's wide, you can do whatever you like, whenever you like, Whatever you like. Basically, it's just you go and do and live your life your way. Uh, maybe the theme song for this one would be, I did it my way. But he says that, doesn't he? He says, but at the end of that wide gate, that wide road, there are consequences. There is destruction. Look what he says there. Enter through the narrow gate, for the wide is the gate and broad is the road. That leads to destruction. Uh, this is basically the self-orientated, self-fulfilling, this is the road that you want to run without thinking about anyone else. It's just you. It's all about you. Uh, that's what the world tends to tell us a lot these days, doesn't it? It's all about you. You're the most important one. You just go and do what fulfills you and what's on about you. Don't worry about boundaries. Don't worry about what's on the edge. Just go. Head down that way. But Jesus says this is a real warning. It might look an easy gate. It may look like the easy road. 
it may look like a wide road and there's a whole lot of people on it, but at the end of it, there is destruction. I don't know whether you see just recently uh, a tragedy happened in Johannesburg uh, at a game park. Uh, this couple were driving through and as they were going through there was lions uh, all over the place and the lady decided to wind down her window to get a better view, to be able to take a better photo. Well, the lion who she was taking the photo of decided it didn't want its photo taken and uh, launched and actually killed the, the lady in the car. Uh, but the thing is, there were plenty of warnings at the beginning of it. These are the signs as you go in to the, the, the park and there's signs all over the park. What does it say? Notice, keep windows closed at all times. There's examples of it, lines through it, everything. There were warnings everywhere, don't do this. The window down might look like it's good and it might like give you more freedom, but it's deadly in the end. Jesus' warning for us here of this wide road is the same. This is a deadly road because at the end of it is destruction. I don't know if you've seen this quote. Success is a journey, not a destination. The doing is often more important than the outcome. Arthur Ashe did that. Remember Arthur Ashe? He was a great uh, uh, American tennis player, one of the first black American tennis players. And that was his quote. And lots, lots of people use it, don't they? Oh, it's not the destination, it's the journey. And, you know, there's an element of truth that the journey's there. But I tell you what, the destination is vitally important. The journey counts, but the destination motivates, doesn't it? If you know that you're on this lovely drive heading around the corner and you know that, that there was a cliff at the end that you went off the end, you wouldn't drive down it, would you? The drive might be lovely, but the destination is death. You wouldn't go there. And so Jesus is telling us, don't take the wide gate because it's destruction. The wide gate is a life lived without thinking about Jesus or God and living under him and his kingdom. That's what the wide gate is. You can just go in there however you like, whenever you like, whatever you want, take everything with you, do whatever you want in it, and it sounds nice and attractive, but the consequences are destruction. Whereas the narrow gate may seem constrictive, may seem narrow, but it is an opening that takes you on the road to eternal life. We find out later, don't we, in uh, John's Gospel, that the gate is who? Jesus. Jesus says, I am the gate. I'm the one that you come through. And not only am I in the gate, but I'm actually the journey as well. I'm the path as well. And though it may seem that this is narrow, this is the path that you were designed to be on. This is how God created you to be. He wants you on the path where not only the destination is eternal life, but the journey conforms you to become more like Jesus. It may seem like it's constrictive, but actually it's not constrictive, it's conforming. It's enabling us to become more like Jesus. That is the path that we are to be on. We are to come to this and choose Jesus. We are to live following Jesus and our destination is to live with Jesus in eternity forever. That is the greatest destination ever. In perfection with him and with all those that love him for eternity. That's the end, that's the end game. That's where we want to be. 
And you notice Jesus doesn't say there's a third gate. There's not, well, let's just weigh that up a little bit and all the religions are the same and everything's okay, everyone's going to be okay. There's a third gate over here somewhere. There's no hidden door. You can't knock on the wall and suddenly your door opens for you. There is no third gate here. There's no third path. There is no third option. There are only two options, Jesus says to you. And he says, choose one. Take the wide gate, go on the wide path, live for yourself and then your own rule and your own control, but there's destruction. Or live and come through Jesus. Live for me, be conformed like me and there is eternal life for you. choice, Jesus says. Which gate? I don't know. Which gate have you about? Are you on the outside looking in and saying, I'm weighing up this at the moment. Which gate do I take? Well, Jesus says a warning. It might look great, guys, but ultimately it's destructive. Take me. Maybe you're on the wide gate already. You've taken the choice. Well, Jesus says it's never too late come back and take the right gate while you're still breathing there is still a choice while you're still here there's still a chance come to me or you might be on and gone through that gate or Jesus says keep on the path don't double back and try and get through that other gate stay with me this is your choice live for me so he says, watch the two gates, you've got a choice. First scenario, wide gate, small gate, wide gate, wide path, small gate, narrow path. Both have different consequences, different endings. Choose the small gate, he says. Be wise. And then he tells us that we need to watch out, doesn't he? He says we need to watch out because we need to watch out who we listen to. Uh, Deb, could you read that for us? Verses 15 through to 19. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognise them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognise them. Uh, Jesus sets before the people he's speaking to and before you and I uh, that there actually are going to be people out there who are going to lead you to the wide gate who may actually be looking like they're leading you to the small gate. tricky isn't it Uh, notice that Jesus says here there's not going to be people out there that you need to worry about who are deliberately trying to take you to the wide gate who are completely opposite you can pick them a mile away can't you people who aren't teaching about Jesus aren't leading you to Jesus that's very easy you can sort of pick them straight away they're taking them in a completely different direction but he's telling us there are going to be people who are actually going to be deceiving us and deliberately deceiving us and they're hard to pick. Can you pick that there is someone hiding there? Can you see it? Anyone see where they are? Can you see the feet at the bottom? If you look for the feet, 
feet there. There's a person hiding in there. Just looks like everyday toy. Looks like you go up and play with it. But if you went to touch them, bah! It'd be very scary, wouldn't it? Uh, some of you might have seen that Arnold Schwarzenegger was at the uh, Madame Tussauds uh, wax museum the other day. He was uh, normally is in there as a wax dummy, but he was actually in there as a real person. Uh, he looked like a wax dummy. He looked like the real thing, but he was actually the real thing. And it scared the living daylights out of people, didn't it? He couldn't pick it. He wouldn't have picked who he was until he did something, until he moved, until his actions. And that's what Jesus tells us here, doesn't he? We may not be able to pick it until we see the fruit of their lives. And that probably means you're not going to pick it straight away, doesn't it? Fruit takes a little while to grow. Fruit takes a little while to mature. And so Jesus is saying that you need to be careful, we need to be careful, we need to be watchful, but we will eventually see those who may be using all the right language, maybe actually even speaking the right words, may have even been to the right Bible college, may have even done, looked all the great things, may have a very uh, passionate uh, sense about them, might have a really great charisma, may be able to speak well, may be able to be doing all those good things, may be looking like they've got a great ministry, but yet... They are people in wolves' clothing out to devour us. Sheep in wolves' clothing wanting to destroy us. Is that the way it is? Wolves in sheep's clothing wanting to destroy us. It's a bit tricky, isn't it? It's You've got to be careful, don't you? But he says we will test them by their fruit. You will see it over time through their actions, through how they live their lives, and you will see... If you see somebody who is teaching you about Jesus and is driving around in a Ferrari and has a helicopter and a number of houses, you want to worry. You want to be unsure about that person. If you have someone who's just telling you that if you give money then you're going to be blessed, you want to be worried about that. Jesus never says that. If you have someone who says you just need to send your money into me, then you need to be worried about that because Jesus doesn't want that. You want to be watching people, don't we? You want to be careful with people. Not only do you want to be careful of the fruit of their lives, but the fruit of their ministry too. If you see the people who are being taught by these people are living for themselves and taking people in all other directions apart than towards Jesus and being conformed to be like him in every way, then we need to be worried. We need to be careful with. If their basis of their ministry is taking us in any other direction then to be conformed to Jesus, then we need to have our ears and our antennas up. When they're telling you you have to have a particular view of the six days of creation, when they're telling you that you have to have a particular blessing, when they're telling you that you have to speak in tongues, when they're telling you that you have to have something, then you know antennas need to go up. If they're not taking you to Jesus and being conformed to be like him then our antennas need to go. And I tell you what, in our day and age, our antennas need to be up probably more than any other period in history. Why do I say that? It's because we have the ability to listen to anyone, anywhere, any place on the computer. YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, all those things 
uh, gives us the opportunity and people out there the opportunity to speak to us and teach us. And there are, you type in Jesus into Google or Jesus into YouTube and you'll get every version and type of person out there who wants to talk to you and bring what they see as being the gospel. Now, don't get me wrong, probably most of them are great. Okay, don't get me wrong. And I'm not out here to say we need to be on a witch hunt. Jesus doesn't say be on a witch hunt, does he? But he says we need to have our antennas up. We need to be careful who we listen to, who we watch, who we read. We need to have our antennas up. If they're not taking us to Jesus and being conformed to be more like him in every way, that he is the only way to salvation, that he is the narrow gate, that we are conformed to be like him, to live it out, and our internal life is only in him, then our antennas need to go up. Because Jesus says they are out there. And if you read the rest of the New Testament, just about every book of the Bible in the New Testament has one part in it where it is warning us against false teachers. So it was happening then... And it's happening now. So we just need to be careful, don't we? We need to choose who we're listening to. And we need to be careful that we live it as much as we say it. Uh, Deb, could you read the next one? Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. It's funny, isn't it? You think that, you think, well, how does that fit in amongst everything? But it's actually very challenging because it's making us, it's telling us that we have a choice not just to listen to Jesus, but we have a choice to do what Jesus wants us to do as well. Notice what he says, they say, they say, they say, they say. Uh, Jesus is saying there are people who talk about the fact that Jesus is out there. They'll speak about him, but it hasn't hit them in the heart and they're not living it. So you say, you know, prophesied in their name, we did these things in your name, we drove in them, but I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. What he's saying is that they are not living it they might be speaking it, but they're not living it. We need to choose to listen and obey Jesus. We have a choice to do that. Uh, walk the walk, talk the talk. We need to do both. It's not just speaking as though we believe in Jesus, but we need to live as though we believe in Jesus. We need to live for Jesus. That's what the narrow gate, isn't it? Yeah, we recognise the narrow gate. Lots of people can recognise the narrow gate. Lots of people can speak about Jesus, but how many people are actually on the journey with Jesus? We need to choose to be on the journey with him as well, to live for him, not just speak about him. And the last one, he says, we need to be a Matt Harper builder, not a Handy Dan builder. Let's have a look at what that one says. Therefore, anyone, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on a rock. The rain came down, streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, 
because it had its foundations on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. That might have been uh, the other guy shaking it and pushing it over, but it came down with a great crash, didn't it? Jesus is uh, he's almost extrapolating what he just said before. He says you need to listen and do. Here he says we need to listen to Jesus and we need to obey Jesus. If Jesus is king, if he is the one that is over all things, if he is the ruler of everything, then we need to come under his kingship. We need to listen to him and obey him. If we're just listening to him and not obeying him, then we're building a house on nothing, aren't we? It's going to crash, it's going to come down. We need to listen to him and obey him. We need to live for him. We need to build our lives upon him and we need to live those lives out. It's more than just head knowledge. It's more than just knowing the right things. It's actually living it out in everyday life that Jesus desires for us. And that's what the whole of Matthew chapter 5, verses 7 has been about, hasn't it? Jesus goes right back and says, Blessed are the poor in spirit who recognise where we stand before God. And then he goes on and he talks about what it is to live for God. He goes and then he goes and tells us it's not about obeying the law, it's about the heart of the law, it's about the spirit of the law. It's not just about the letter of the law, it's about doing it from here, from inside out. It's not about just having a face that looks like religious. Fasting, praying, looking like we've got it all sorted. No, it's about the heart, he says. This is about where your treasure is. That's where your heart is. It's not about money. It's about where your heart is with Jesus. It's not about worry. It's about trusting in him. It's not about being judgmental. It's about living for him and encouraging others to do the same. It's about praying to him. It's about doing what others would have do to you. See, Jesus is never on about just getting it here. It's about getting it from here to here and living it out there. You see, obedience to Jesus is not just having your theology right. Obedience to Jesus is about having your theology right and living it out as well. That's what it is to build your life upon the rock, upon Jesus. That's what it is to enter through the narrow gate. That's the choice that you and I have. Because everything else is like sinking sand. Have you ever been on the beach and built a sandcastle uh, at low tide? You get down there, you get with the kids, you build the sandcastle, you get it high, you make the walls really strong, you can put hours into it before the tide comes in and then you stand there and you think, will it survive the tide? No. Won't work, will it? You can try and make it and build it, but it doesn't happen. It can't work. The tide comes in and sweeps it out and takes it away, gets destroyed. And that's what it's like for us if we build our lives on anything other than Jesus. The tide will come in and it will wipe it away. If we build our lives upon our family, if we build our lives upon our career, if we build our lives upon popularity, if we build our lives about who we are and what we're on about, or on about anyone else or anything else, the waves will come in, they will crash across, 
and they'll destroy. Because we need to build our lives upon the rock, upon Jesus. We need to live our lives in obedience to him. That's what it is to go through the narrow gate. That's what's to be on the narrow path. Well, here's the big choice, isn't it, in the end? Because the big choice is actually completely orientated to our ultimate response to Jesus. Look what happens at the end. Deb, do you want to read those last two verses? When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. I think, I think Matthew puts that in there because he wants us to see that there has to be a response. You cannot live with Jesus and sit on the fence with him. You cannot live with Jesus and just put him to the side and say he was a good teacher. You can't just shove him to the side and say, well, okay, that's nice, it's pretty, it's good, appreciate everything that he did. You can't just have him over here. We need to respond to him because his claim to us is, are you going to make a choice for him? Are you going to choose Jesus. I don't know whether I've ever told you my story, but I had to make a choice, and I made a choice when I was 17 to follow Jesus. I'm making a choice every day to follow Jesus since that. But there was that one point in my life where I came to that conclusion that Jesus is who he claims to be, and I made a decision to follow him. I grew up in a family who had a bit of church background. My grandparents uh, were Christians, heavily involved with the Anglican Church in Tasmania, but it was a very high Anglican church, and so it was very uh, ritualistic and traditional in that sense. I loved, it. I loved it. I loved my grandparents. There were some really lovely older people there who really loved me and my sister and cared for us. Went to Sunday school, uh, became an altar boy where you serve the wine to the thing and the bread and watch the minister drink all the wine because you can't have Jesus' blood still hanging around. Anyway, there you go. Uh, and you've got to eat all the bread. Uh, I, I grew up under that, but as I was growing up under that, my parents had a little bit to do with church, and they were happy for me to go, but they were very heavily involved in sport, and so was I. And so as time went on, church just became less and less part of what we did. I thought God was okay. I thought Jesus was okay. didn't really understand it. But man, I loved sport though. So I played sport for the whole of my teenage life, just about every day of the week. I could have been either training or playing from Monday through to Sunday night, just about everything, all the time. And and that's what I did, all the way up. And it was great, I loved it, and it was all about me. And if I was playing well at sport, I felt good about myself. If I wasn't playing well at sport, I didn't feel well about myself. If I wasn't being praised my abilities and what I could do and how I could play, I didn't feel good. Uh, If I was being praised and I was uplifted, I felt great because it was all about me and my self-image and who I was and what I was on about and sport made me feel great about that most of the time but every now and then it would let me down. Uh, At the age of 17, I ran into Karina. She's not here but she'll hear the story. Uh, And Karina was a follower of Jesus. We were at year 11 and 12 in Tasmania and uh, she and I started going out with each other but then decided we couldn't go out with each other uh, because I didn't follow Jesus and she did and a few things happened that probably weren't helpful in that process, which you don't need to know about right now. 
Um, and uh, we actually broke up. And the weekend that we broke up, there was a guy called Bill Newman who came into our town. And Bill Newman used to go around with a tent uh, and uh, do the big tent meeting thing. Anyway, uh, I tried to ring up a girl to go out with her on the Friday night. This wasn't Karina, this was another girl. Um, but I couldn't get hold of her. And so at about 10, 30, 11 o'clock, I thought I'll give up on her. So I rang a mate who I knew and we knew about this tent. And I thought God was okay, I thought Jesus was okay. But let's go and check this out together. So my mate and I went and checked that out and we went to Bill Newman Crusade and he put before me the very clear decision that I needed to make about Jesus. Now I don't remember all that he mentioned but I do know he made a clear thing. I had to make a choice. Do I take Jesus as who he says he is, as King, as Lord, who died on the cross for me and rose again and he's my only way to eternal life or not? And I made a choice to follow Jesus that night. And from then on, it's been a continual choice. And those of you who have made that decision, you know it's a daily choice, isn't it? We need to daily choose to follow Jesus and live that out. But it comes to a choice. There's no halfway road in it, is there? And that choice, my life has changed since then. I still like the fact that it plays sport. And I still like people to praise me for being sport. But that's not where my identity is. I need to be challenged about that always because I still like people to like me. But my identity is not there anymore. My identity is in Jesus. My eternity is not in the fact whether you like me or not, thankfully. My eternity is in Jesus and him alone and now I live for him and for his praise. And that is secure forever. Not like your fickle praise, sorry. But that's the same with me to you, isn't it, as well? Is that Jesus puts the choice for you and I Do we take the narrow gate and the path that conforms us to be like Jesus and ends us with Jesus for eternity? Or do we take the wide gate that is broad and ends up in destruction out of the presence of God for eternity? The choice is yours. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, Lord, and we thank you and praise you that you haven't given us multitudes of choices, Lord. It's not uh, confusing, but Lord, you've made it so clear to us that, Lord, we have a choice to be and go through the gate to be with you, to trust in you, to live for you and an eternity with you, Lord. And we have the choice to go the wide gate and it ends up with an eternity without you. Lord, we pray that you will work in our hearts to make that decision to follow you, to be obedient, to listen to you, to live for you, to follow you, Lord, to build our lives upon you, to be conformed to be more like you in every way. Lord, we pray that by your Spirit we'll make that decision every day of our lives, to live for you, Lord. Lord, we ask for forgiveness for the times we haven't done that. We ask for forgiveness when we've rejected that. We've asked for forgiveness if we have headed towards the wide gate. We pray, Lord, and thank you for that forgiveness that you give us through Jesus who died and rose again, who is our gate to a life lived for you and a life with you for eternity. 
Lord, we pray that we all may make the choice to live for you, Lord. Live for Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name.